Hey everybody, it's Rajesh here. And Tane here. Welcome to our podcast, Baskets of Knowledge, Chats with a Difference. In our podcast, we invite guests from around the country and around the world to talk about how they got to where they are at the moment. It's about a journey, it's about an experience, it's about their life. Kia everybody. Welcome to a, the second episode of Bastards of Knowledge for 2024. Hopefully you enjoyed the first episode of 2024. And if you haven't, well, go back and listen to it. Tanya, what have you been up to over the last few days since we had our last recording? Yeah, I've been uh, busy uh, continuing pursuing my coaching um, now that we've started for nines for Otago Rugby League, which is quite cool. We had 12 girls on Sunday, which is pretty cool to see um, that girls are starting to commit and starting to get numbers so we can actually do things and as far as I know that's probably the most we've had at the training so you know outside of tournaments so it's been pretty cool pretty exciting to see that um, things are growing and things are yeah progressing as we want them to Um, and then probably from more of a personal perspective I've been yeah uh, working with my injury I went into the physio Monday to try and see I I can continue to uh, keep strengthening my knee so I just got back into the gym today so yeah it's a pretty slow process it's been what four or five months now since I um, got that injury but I guess it's yeah it's been a huge learning curve not only from a personal perspective in terms of how I manage an injury but I guess also from a coaching perspective in terms of you know how can we support players going through injury um, to keep them involved keep them engaged but not put too much pressure on them to yeah push push through the injury for the sake of coming back early and risking something worse. Yeah, I think that's really that's really important because you know um, until you actually live through an experience, you 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 have high, these expectations which are a bit unrealistic because you don't go and you don't know what what's happening. So it's pretty, it's I know it's it's hard for you because I know you like being active. So um, this is some great skills you're gonna take back when you start coaching again with the with the young people. Um, and since we last spoke, one thing that that I that really stood out with me, which is actually really timely for this conversation, is yesterday I was at a presentation. Um, that was really beautiful. It was about about refugee students and education, access to education by refugee students, which really blew my mind. You know, we we live in a country where we take education um, for granted, and um, the speaker spoke about how refugees, um, students who come to New Zealand or actually anywhere in the world, they have this hope and they have this beautiful, you know, ambition, but there are so many barriers out there for for them, from language barriers to expectation barriers to the barriers that we have about us versus them. Um, and I just brought it out, brought it out, and uh, I posted a quote on my LinkedIn yesterday because um, Vivian spoke about it, and it got me thinking about you know we all have human rights, you know, shelter, blah 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 blah, which which is important. But she said that you know education is the is the only true enabling human right, and that got me thinking because without education, all the other stuff just disappears pretty quickly. Um, you know, so it's really quite quite powerful that you know, Tana, you've done your honors, which you know that's going to open up doors for you in education. Um, and, you know, I work in a space where I just, I think education, no matter what it is, whether it's tertiary, whether it's a university, a polytech, a trade, whatever it is, it's it's really a, a something that we need to cherish and also not take for granted. And, you know, for those populations where they struggle to get into, we have to try and enable it somehow. And and I'm sure our guest today is going to talk about that as well, because I know they're passionate about education. So um, it actually worked out really quite well. It wasn't planned. It just worked out really, really quite well. Um, and talking about our guests, um, I'd love to, for our listeners out there, you know, we scour the country, we scour the world to the people that we think are interesting. 
everyone is interesting, everyone is amazing, everyone's got a story, but as you always say, we don't have money to have everyone on, so um, we can only have one guest at a time. Uh, and today I'm really privileged and really honored to have someone that I've been following, following on LinkedIn for a very long time. Um, their posts are engaging, the work that they do is really beautiful because they're out there working with young people, working in education in the education sector, but also um, I had a chat with um, our guest a few months ago and it was a really fun chat. So I'm really honored and privileged to have um, Shailen on our podcast. Welcome to our podcast, Shailen. Thank you. Uh, thank you both. Uh, great to be here. Uh, and yeah, really looking forward to, to the conversation with you both. Yeah, fantastic. Shailen, um, I'm just going to segue straight into the education thing. You know, um, education is really something that, that that drives you. You know, you've got a you've got a really awesome history of things you've done, but right now you're working in education. And, you know, given what I said about the power of education, how do you see that in your current role or in just as, as Shailen as a person? Uh, so, look, I mean, what I've been doing for the last coming up to nine years in April uh, as the education manager at NYB, working with education institutions across Australia, New Zealand, and tens of thousands of students in that time, I sort of fell into it. So the the opportunities that have come from it, I didn't know were there until actually doing it. Yeah. And so I always say, and it's even funnier now, the last time I spoke to a student before this role was when I was a student. Oh, wow. The last time I spoke to an educator before this role was when I was a student. So there's a massive gap between finishing university to then, or being on the other side of the world, working in this space. And what I've been able to sum it up, what, what I sort of love about this space is education is full of promise, ambition, and opportunity. And what you were referring to in your in your introduction, anyone, um, any background, any circumstances, the ability to keep learning, to give you those opportunities, to fulfill a promise, to achieve your ambitions, um, are there, not just sort of the traditional means, but I'm sure we're all going to learn something from each other you know, in the next hour or, or, or however long we're together. Um, and so that, you know, you hear lifelong learning a lot now as well. It's always been around. Uh, I thought maybe we're just better at identifying that learning can come from anywhere, not just a classroom or a lecture theatre. And I like that because, you know, as you said, we've always had education in, in the past. You've had oral stories where stories are passed on from an elder to a younger person, but it's an education about, hey, this is where you've got to go to get water, or this is the kind of fruits you've got to eat. And we've just become self, self-formalized with, hey, we've got to go to school, get a certain qualification, and that defines education. But actually, as you said, every conversation can be an educated conversation, depending on what you take from it. And I think things are changing so much, or so fast, uh, you know, change is not new, but how quickly that the knowledge gap between people is, I believe, shortening because you know, everyone was talking about AI last year, but everyone's starting from the same spot, whether you are at high school, tertiary, uh, early in your career, or you know someone retiring, 
given it was so new, generative AI, the impact it had, the adoption rates, meant that no one who had been working for 20 years, even in a, in a tech company, would necessarily be way better off than someone who is just studying tech at, at a high school. So therefore, I think that is now uh, a major difference, whereas tenure experience meant more knowledge. Yeah, totally. Things weren't changing as fast, and so it was uh, more relevant for longer. Yeah. Uh, whereas what you learn last year, yesterday, could go within an instance because the next things arrive. And, and that's so true. We've seen that with all the technologies that have, that, have, that have popped up and what that has meant for, you know, for, for everybody, you know. Um, I always use this example, like two years ago, there was no such thing as ChatGPT. It did not exist in the, main, in the mainstream. But now it's, as you said, every few months is a different iteration or, or a different version of, you know, there's ChatGPT, there's Bard, there's all these crazy tools out there. Um, and it just depends on how and where we are uh, prepared to acknowledge and, and use that information. Uh, but Shannon, we've just talked to education, but let's talk about your back. Let's just talk about your background. Tell our guests, our sorry, listeners, um, who you are. You know what you do at the moment, and um, yeah, that's a good start, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, yep, Shailen Patel. Um, currently live in, in the South Island, Christchurch. Um, born and bred in the UK, um, and went to university at the University of Bristol. Uh, studied economics and economic history, and then my first roles in London were within sales um, type of environments. I started off in recruitment, financial services, um, got made redundant in 2008, no surprise with the global financial crisis, um, and then took a bit of time off uh, for, for whatever reason I felt I needed uh, a career break, even though I'd only had one job after university, albeit for a, a few years. Uh, then I went from that sort of consultative selling to really boiler room selling uh, at an event sales company before I had the opportunity to move to New Zealand. So I always wanted to work abroad and I'm sure we may unpack that uh, further and uh, started working for Yellow Pages New Zealand, who I actually met in London um, and got the job with them before I came over, worked for a couple of other big media companies. Uh, and then in 2015, as I said earlier, I fell into this role with, with MYB. We're an accounting software and business management platform uh, and joined to, to manage the education space in New Zealand. And since 2020, have been working uh, across Australia and New Zealand. That's obviously how I've been able to connect um, even yourselves uh, through the relationships that I have within the education space um, not just universities, polytechnics, TAFEs in Australia, uh, high schools, students, sort of all of, of all ages, um, and really focusing in on that student engagement, development, journey, transition into graduate roles, early talent roles, um, which has led me now, I serve on the board for the New Zealand Association of Graduate Employers. Uh, so yeah, that's where interest, passion lies within education, but then what it can lead to from um, a career perspective and how can we help shorten that gap. Um, there, 
there was a bit of research by the Foundation for Young Australians a few years ago, uh, which sort of has helped me focus on, on what my purpose or where I see the impact that I can have. And they followed, I think it was 14, 15,000 students from the age of 15 to 20, uh, 25. And one of the key stats that came out of the report that stuck with me was that it was taking anywhere between two and a half to five years for young people to transition from education to meaningful employment compared to one year in 98s. Oh, wow. So I think things are more difficult now, but there are more opportunities. So how can we help close some of that gap? And, you know, things like gap year and OE, et cetera, can, can also uh, contribute to why it is, you know, maybe getting to three, four, five years. But even if I look at my own journey, I graduated in June, July, 2004, didn't start work till January, 2005. And so I had a six month period where I didn't know what I want to do, looking for a few jobs, but not really. Um, and, and maybe I was lucky in a position where I didn't have to go and get a job straight away, but there was a six month gap. Yeah. And so through the work that, that I'm doing now is how can we help sort of close that gap, help students identify some of those opportunities um, and so that they transition to meaningful employment. It may not be what they're studying. Uh, it may not necessarily be something that they ever thought they were interested in. Um, but that's also with the world of work changing jobs that will be available tomorrow that haven't been thought of yet. Um, and so, yeah, that's, uh, I suppose, uh, a bit of a long summary of, of where I'm at now. Uh, and, and that and that journey but it's really quite quite timely because you know um i guess tana is in that exact position right now having finished his honors and looking for a role mm. but also you know a lot of young people that we work with or you know the two of us work with they they go to university or tertiary or whatever it is and they they study for a particular role and when they finish up they go actually i don't actually want to work in this space here or i don't know why i did this thing here and you know i'm increasingly seeing that um which is quite quite interesting because like you said a few years ago you'd go to university i want to be an accountant i want to be whatever and you'd, you'd have a, a plan but as you said before it's it's difficult but also the options there's so many options out there that you know you have the paradox of choice like oh what, what if i do this and i'll miss out on that there which is which is with everything you know if you think about anything in the world now there's so much choice that if you think you're doing one thing you get distracted by other thing oh what am i doing here and Tana, i guess you're a living breathing person right now in this space here how, how do you feel about that you know yeah, it's quite it's quite an interesting perspective actually, and I, yeah, I think you both raised valid points. I think you know, in terms of yeah, understanding where you want to go. I think sometimes you get so stuck in your education journey that you almost forget that there is going to be a time where it finishes, and you're going to have to go and find work. And I think it's a good point you raise around meaningful work. You know, not just the sake of kind of bridging the gap, paying the bills, and. I guess that's been my challenge at the moment is I'm trying to get into meaningful work. And so sometimes you have to sacrifice, you know, a couple of months, six months, a year, whatever it might be. So that in the long term, I'm actually in a position that I want to be and not a job that I'm doing just to go week in, week out. Um, and from your point, Pradesh, you know, it is quite timely and it is quite interesting that, yeah, it's a, that 
there are so many more options now you know when i first got into sporting exercise and i guess it is the generic saying that oh you're going to go into pe teaching because that's what everybody thinks of it but you know these days there's so much more there's sports coaching there's game development there's youth development there's aging populations there's psychology the, the psychological background you know there's so many different realms that you could pursue and get yourself into that i think it's it takes a lot more for us to consider, you know, where it is that our true passion lies. It's not just a one size fits all anymore. And it goes back to what you said, Sheldon, before about this whole this whole concept of experience. It's not, <laughs> not going to change because, you know, everyone looks for experience, five years experience, whatever, 10 years experience. But as you said before, and you said, Tony, as well, those roles are all new. So how do you get experience in a role that's just it's come up, really? It's, it's, it's a catch-22, really, isn't it? It's and I, and you know it's moving away from that experience to actually the skills and 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 what skills do you want to continue developing and um, using? So the one consistency with my roles is they're always have some element of sort of sales, relationship building, communication. Um, customer facing roles um and so when the role came up with nyb as i said like i didn't have this background of working with all the new zealand universities or knowing the student market but the, essentially the role boiled down to building relationships with our education partners yeah. so you've got nyb and you've got a partner i'm i'm the one in the middle and thankfully, MYB saw that I've got experience within that space that I can transfer. Yeah. Because if they wanted, you know, obviously we, we work with a lot of accountants, you know, that's our software. So if they wanted someone within that space or an accountant, that's not me. If they wanted someone who'd worked in the software space, again, that's not me. If they wanted someone who's working in the education space, that's not me. Yeah. And yet nine years later, here I am in this space uh, and obviously got the opportunity, took the opportunity and then now have developed experience within that space. Yes. But when we boiled down to it, it was a couple of key skills. Okay. Can I articulate, can I communicate, work with whoever else was on the other end of the phone or the call and build those relationships and then through my previous roles, it was almost a drag and drop. And so I think now, and for a lot of young people, Tane, I would say to yourself, is what skills do you actually want to do day in, day out? So if someone came to me with a you know, great job or great company and said, right, but you know, you won't be speaking to anyone outside of the company, that's not for me. Yeah. Right? So I, I want to be customer facing. Some people don't want that. That's fine. Um, I do a, you know, I quite enjoy public speaking now. Um, again, some people, if you know, they advertise the role again and said, right, do guest lectures, workshops, presentations. If you don't want to do that, then, then don't apply for the role sort of thing. So, but if you do want to do that, then almost seek out those roles where your skills. You're going to be using day in day out and want to continue developing and even though you know i've done quite a few guest lectures now 
I can't complete public speaking. Yeah. I'm sure we'll stumble, you know, I'll stumble in the next few minutes on this podcast or the next presentation I have. But it's just practice makes perfect. And so therefore, I could say, you know, I, I like public speaking. I'm good at it. But it will vary, right? And almost it'll go up and down, but at least it's sort of trending in that upward line. Uh, which then comes back to that learning piece uh, and, and enjoying it, enjoying when you do stumble and enjoying when it goes swimmingly as well. Yeah, and it's it's it's. I think that's crucial there, Sheldon. I think that's for anyone that's listening that you know, um, when you're looking at the career, whether you're starting a career, the middle of your career, um, or you want to change your career, that it's, it comes down to the skills, because you're going to be doing this for a long time or however long you're going to be doing. You've got to enjoy mm-hmm. going to work. And I guess I'm at that stage in my life right now where I'm like, oh what skills do I enjoy? I'm looking for career transition and change, but change for the sake of change without looking at the skills and the values is is a, is a risk for disaster. So, um, you know, so again, it's so hard for someone like Kane who's got to find meaningful work that matches your skills, um, but as you said, put yourself out there, which is the only way it goes. So about putting yourself out there, um, Shannon, Bristol, United Kingdom, New Zealand, as far away as possible. Um, how did that transition happen for you um, from from sunshine to sunshine, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, the uh, always travelled um, holidays, etc., and, and so um, I've probably seen more. By the time I left the UK, I've probably seen more of the world than I had the UK. Yeah. So you know, like uh, the the only time I've been to Scotland was actually on my flight first flight to New Zealand. We had to stop in Glasgow. Um, and so actually whether Glasgow airport is considered international grounds or, or Scotland itself. So always, you know, look to the, the sort of wider world as opposed to just the UK and wanted to work uh, abroad. And then I got the opportunity where some of my family's members were working abroad. So I got to see them and, 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 uh, visit their country that they were working in, which then really just heightened uh, my appetite for it. When I was in recruitment, a lot of this side of the world, Australia, were looking for, for whatever reason, recruitment consultants to to come over. And 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 before the big crash, um, companies would come over and and look for staff. So all of a sudden, I was in a space which I knew I could easily transfer. Recruitment's the same, whether it's in England, uh, Australia, or wherever it might be. The GFC sort of put a stop to that, and you know, then it was a case of you need to be on the ground and, and things like that. Um, by which time I was out of it. I was in event sales in, in the UK and, and, and sort of really enjoying that, uh, you know, closing a sale within 20 minutes as opposed to weeks uh, and, and you know enjoying uh that real sales environment commission you know uh work hard play hard in, environment in in london and i said to myself in 2010 if i'm not out of the country by the end of the year then in the interim i'll just concentrate on my career within the uk and see what opportunities were at this company. And I went to a career fair mid-2010, 
uh, that had a lot of companies, uh, um, people from Middle East, the Americas, Australia, New Zealand, and Yellow Pages New Zealand were the only stand which had sales. Oh, yeah. And, and not surprising because, again, yep. there's no degree in sales. Like, you don't need uh, a formal qualification as such. Um, a lot of human skills involved, only human skills involved. And so I went to speak to them, and uh, the, the dream was Australia, like yep. any Brit. You know, we grew up watching Neighbours Home and Away, so we want to go there. Um, and it sort of snowballed. I, I, I met with the team. I met with the sales director. They said, send us your CV. This was on a Saturday. Wednesday, I'm having the interview. And the interview really turned about, do you want to come to New Zealand? Oh, wow. If you do, yeah. here's a job. Yep. Uh, if you don't, then obviously we're not right for you because um, a, a big shift. And so walked out knowing I've got a decision to make. Do I go to Auckland or do I stay? And the reality was I sort of had nothing to lose because the worst thing that would happen is I'd lose a little bit of money and a little bit of time and I'd have to come back home. Yep. And I was in the fortunate position. I was, because of the GFC, I'd moved back home. Uh, and so obviously wasn't, you know, I didn't need to worry about sort of a, a roof over my head. And then I left early November, landed on a Saturday instead of a Friday because of the delay that we had to go to Glasgow and I started work on the Monday. Oh, wow. And obviously very different to those that may come to this side of the world looking for a job. Yes. Even if I lasted two weeks in New Zealand, I'd still get paid for two weeks. Yeah. Um, and I came in November swapping the cold for obviously sunshine. And at that time, Yellow New Zealand had a free week shut down for Christmas. So I essentially had seven, seven weeks work and then I had a free week holiday. And we're not used to that in the UK because you work through. Yeah, totally. You know, the Christmas New Year period, you may have in between off, uh, maybe more common now than it was then. And uh, thankfully then, because I had that time off, a couple of cousins came out and we did a tour around New Zealand. So I had a one-year work visa. Again, very sort of non-committal. If I go home after a year, I don't think I'd ever come back to New Zealand. So I tried to do as much as I could, see as much of the country. Um, at, towards the end of that first year, there was the Rugby World Cup in New Zealand 2011. So all of a sudden, you know, I've come to this country, didn't know too much about, but worked for a few weeks, you got a few weeks off. Get to see the country. And then everything's gearing up for the Rugby World Cup. Um, and enjoying uh, my, my time, uh, you know, selling advertising, meeting small businesses. Um, and so, yeah, just realized that worst case, I go back to England. Yeah. Best case, well, here we are, 2024, still here. And, and not even in Auckland now, um, and you know, married to a Kiwi, got the Kiwi kids, um, and, and it's great going back. I've been back a few times, uh, and I like going back, but I, I don't think I'll be going back to to live anytime yeah. soon. Um, and then obviously the instead of the one year visa, I did extend the visa, and then um, 
got my uh, permanent residency and, and now got the passport to boot. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, never would I have imagined that play out the way it did, but the opportunity was there, one that I couldn't say no to and thankfully didn't and obviously a great um great opportunity that was presented which which i took, took advantage of and it's, it's it's really interesting because people that move over to this country have 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 all these crazy stories and you know like you and i moved over the plan was to get to australia at some point and um i'm still here you know you know it's just the way it works out but what i loved about your story there was the way you signposted it at you know 2010 this is what's going to happen. Either I'm out of the country or I'm going to mm. be here. You know, I think, you know, that's that's important to realize that, hey, you actually signed, well, super self-aware to go, hey, this is what I'm giving myself, these deadlines here, deadlines. And then, you know, things just happen. Um, you know, we, we talk about manifestation and people talk about that kind of stuff there, but you have to start doing some stuff for things to actually start happening as opposed to just thinking through. Um, crazy. Um, that, that, that is a great, great story. And I guess um, bringing back Tana into this conversation, you know, Tana hasn't, you haven't had the opportunity to travel, but now you're going to travel this year and that, opens up a whole of different um, opportunities for you as you start traveling. Yeah, for sure. It's quite an exciting time. And I, yeah, again, I think even with that perspective, you know, I was like, right, I need to, I, I've booked my flight tickets, you know, so that I've, I've committed, you know, instead of saying, oh yeah, it was a good idea. I want to do it. I want to do it, you know, because yeah, inevitably you find a reason not to do it, you know, a reason not to go. And I guess that's what I've said with some of the young people too, you know, like they're concerned about going away, going to a different place for education or, you know, playing a different sport or whatever it might be. And and that's what I always say to them, you know, look, the, the opportunity to come back is always there. Your parents are always going to be there to support you, solid friends, you know. So, yeah, although it can be scary and daunting, I think, yeah, you, you just have to, as you say, reframe it to actually go well the worst that can happen is i end up exactly where i've been and best case scenario is you know everything changes yeah that's, that's my it. advice my advice to any young person now is um it doesn't have the same ring now because i don't think we're going to have any lockdown but sort of get out while you can um yeah. we, we don't want talent to to leave these shores obviously but um and, and yeah borders aren't going to be closed uh, again i don't think but if you have the opportunity, inclination at all, go see the world. As you said tonight, you can come back. Um, but whether it's like a you know a month holiday or a few months off, your OE, work abroad and live abroad. Um, the only thing I would change from from my journey is I would have come early. Yeah. But like when I was at university, I didn't get the grades to do it. A semester abroad, yeah. right? Like, you know, but if there was a way that every degree or tertiary course allowed some sort of exchange, and, you know, I could change that right now, I would do that. And, and I almost make it mandatory. And so, you know, whether that would go through or not, but I think I see a big difference in, in those students that have done an exchange yeah. because all of a sudden there's it's such a big step going from secondary to tertiary anyway because that's your own that's your choice yeah. right you know yeah. you're not told to go to school you you've made that choice and you've made the choice to go to the lecture or the class 
and then to make that step one further and go while you're studying and going to another country and uh, you know have massive uh, admiration for those that actually go to a country that is not their first language. So when I was looking, I was restricted to English speaking. Yeah. So really, America, Canada, Australia, you know, where else where, you know, I know, guarantee, I don't need to worry about the language. So yeah, if I could have gone earlier, uh, I would have loved to. I was 27 when I moved. And yeah, obviously didn't have the grades, but yeah. Anyone, go. Come back if you want. Don't. But take that opportunity and then, you know, now as we see those organizations that are cross country and can provide that, yep. that's a real big sticking point or a point why someone would potentially join knowing it is easier to, yes. to make that move. I, I agree with that because I, I've become such a big proponent of exchange over the last few years. Mm. I have ever since post COVID, I've just become a huge proponent that everyone should, should try and plan an exchange yeah, in, mm. in 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 their program, you know, whether you're doing whatever you're doing, because it changes you dramatically as a human being for in so many ways. Um, and we and we benefit from those that come from other countries uh, here, right? And 100%, then 100%. then then it will see New Zealand and then think, okay, well, actually, I want to stay or I may come back. Yeah. Um, so it's not it's not always we we'll just be losing. We we will yeah. get uh, yeah. people back. That's the way exchange works. Right? Exchange works mm. 10, 10 for one, 10 for one, and then you know everybody wins. It's a, it's a win-win situation, which is mm. really, really, really fantastic. Um, I'm going to shift focus a little bit. Um, Shelley, you work for MYOB and you know um, accounting software, as you said before. And when we talk to people these days, they're like, "Oh, the field of accounting is dead because software is taking over." Um, and you know, this is a myth. This is something you must be hearing all the time. Why should I be an accountant? Mm. Why should I do finance? What are your, your thoughts as someone who who lives and breathes in the space quite often that hey, actually I work in software? Um, yeah, what are your thoughts about that? Oh, look, I mean, and then we we touched on AI, you know, other robots coming, yes. So it's not just accounting, but I think look, with technology uh and, and whatever can be automated, being automated by different technologies out there. There's no doubt that roles are changed. Um, there's no role that that isn't. To what extent? Um, and when these conversations come up, accounting is usually on 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 the chopping block. Uh, there was a bit of research by an Australian econometrics company, Alpha Beta, a few years ago now that looked at a number of roles. But one of the reasons why we we shared it was it looked at hundreds, if not thousands of tasks that each role does to work out what percentage of that role could be automated, could be done by a robot in the next five, 10, 15 years. And for accounting or accountants, it was 29%. So what's that saying is that two thirds, close to two thirds, two, sorry, three quarters is human skills. Um, and so Technology like MYB, accountants use, businesses use, but it's not to replace the accountant as such. Uh, it is to remove a lot of the, the mundane data entry tasks that they have uh, and free up then time for a, a business to, to utilize an accountant's knowledge, their business acumen, their advice, their mentoring, 
to help the business, you know, that small medium enterprise uh, achieve whatever their goal may be. So there's a lot more to being an accountant now than um, what is traditionally thought of. So accountants and, and their, their, their clients will be speaking more than just tax, tax type. So if they're having more communication, then the accountant's communication skills has got to be better. Their relationship building skills, they've got to build that trust, show that they're the expert within their field to help that particular business. So that's just for, for that industry, that role, but that, that probably relates to a lot, a lot more others. And so uh, there will be all, all roles will be impacted again, to what extent, but even if we going back to AI, I think, you know, the stats are for every one job that is lost due to um, AI or, or one task, I think it will generate another one and a half jobs or tasks. So on the balance, we'll actually be better off. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of it's their enablers, you know, yes. or, or creators. Um, I think someone uh, I heard put it, you know, AI is a, it will create uh, more than it will take away. Yeah. And that's, that's a good look at it because there's all doom and gloom about AI, but actually, you know, if you think about all the AI things that have happened, um, it's actually it's allowed us to to free up time to do other things that we would never have been able to do, you know, in our in in the previous iteration of our lives. AI has done some pretty cool things to take over those mundane tasks. And um, but I guess you know humans live on emotions, and one of the biggest emotions mm -hmm. is free, is fear. And you know we're all afraid, oh our jobs are going to go, our income's going to go, um, the fear of moving a country, the fear of what's happening next is, is is so strong, which is how lots of people live their lives, and it it takes up amazing amount of self-awareness to get to get that through which is challenging whether you are a ceo or whether you are a high school student it is it's, it's normal it's a human emotion oh 100 but you know again we've talked about change a bit and you know with everything that's happened COVID, obviously and then um a lot of tech companies last year were making a lot of redundancies a lot of restructures a lot of changes i think now we're or the way i look at it and I've I've been through a, a redundancy where 2008 end of the world, yeah. Like I just thought this is, uh, you know, like crazy. How can this happen? It actually probably turned out to be the best thing that happened, right? It that takes time and and hindsight. But now, I don't think anyone should expect it, but I don't think you can be surprised by it. Yeah. Like you, you see it, it it's happening you know, everywhere companies previously may restructure every year or two, they probably can't afford to do that because it's it's too late. The, the yeah. horse has bolted, the change has happened. So that will be happening or it will be evolving months, yeah. weeks potentially. So it shouldn't surprise you if those conversations comes up. Um as I said, don't expect it, and it will obviously be painful and, and, and not nice for anyone. And on the flip side, if you can leave a company, well, why can't they leave you, right? Like that, yeah. that, that's almost also the way. Like, yeah, like I said, no one should expect it. Sucks when it happens. 
and also the reality now that it's likely to happen to everyone at some point. And if they say young people coming through are going to have 18 different jobs, five, six, seven different industries, law of averages means it can't always be their choice that they're going to move 18 100%, times. 100%. At least, 100%. at least one or two times, maybe it's the company that have said, right, we need to go in a different direction yeah. and this role is no longer required. So, yeah, um, for in that perspective, and again, going back to some of the early conversations, no one's going to do 18 degrees. Yeah, that's right. Or 18 different tertiary. So then, you know, you're developing different skills. Where can you transfer them? Um, because that will that will happen. And even though I've been at NYB for nine years and technically the same role, I think I've rewritten the position description probably two or three times already anyway. So I feel like I've been in a few different roles, but just under the same company in the same title. Yes. Although yeah. it continues to evolve. So and that that may be the case for a lot of people. Um, but then anyone outside of that will just think, well, I'm only yeah. seeing one company, one job title. So it's, yeah. you know, they, it, they, they don't know because they're not in it, but you, you will know. And, um, and then what career progression looks like now doesn't always just mean up. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when I joined NYB, I was thinking, okay, well, yeah, I'd love to, you know, maybe be a sales manager, et cetera. Um, no, no ambitions now to do anything like that. Um, uh, other than obviously build on, on on the work that I've already done. Yeah, and, and I think what's using an important word, evolution, you know, as, as jobs will evolve, but so will you as a human, right? You will evolve and you will change. And I think we have to remember, we forget about that, that we change as our circumstances change, you know, mm. and you start, oh, I want to be a sales manager, but you go, actually, wait a minute. At that point in time, it is the perfect thing at that point in time, but now you evolve, you change, you find, like you said, right at the start, your skills, your values change. You go, wait a minute, this is not what I do. And I think this is important for anybody listening, myself included, that, you know, we change as human beings and we have to be aware of those change and we can't, if we are the same place that we were 10 years ago in every aspect, then that's not good. Then that's not good at all. That's, that's a bit of a problem, you know. However, I'm saying that there's some people that want to be in that same space, you know, they, this is what they're comfortable with and there's nothing wrong with that. You could call, I go to work, I do my nine to five, I answer 25 emails, this is it, and that's all cool. I go and mow the lawn, that's fine. You know, there's no right or wrong mm. here. It's just, and I think this is where we have to remember there's no such thing as right or wrong. It's just whatever a person is is happy and, and content with. Um, which is I crazy. think it's just that, that 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 there'll always be a need to adapt though, regardless yes. of, of what side. And so one of the, the Charles Darwin quote that I start 99% of my presentations, you know, it's not the strongest or the most intelligent of species that, that survived. It's the one that's most adaptable to change. And so I think that always just sticks with me that you know how do you adapt to it and yeah you could be the, the best um strongest the most intelligent going back to the you know what you talked about with the accountants you could have been the best accountant for the last 20 years if you're not adapting to what's happening and you know for example ai the AI-enabled accountant will replace the accountant yes. not using AI. Yeah. Uh, essentially. Yeah, it's, um, 
it's, it's always about reframing and thinking about and mm. you know this which is why these kind of conversations are important to have that you go wait a minute there's other aspects out there that we don't see and speak about which is um which is important which is important yeah of course yeah in, in so many different so many different ways um so you know you've 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 traversed a couple of things um you also speak about being very active you know i had a, I looked at you we speak about your work but being active and being physically active is something that's part of yours of. Um, how, how is that, you know, mentally, you've done a couple of marathons, which requires a whole different mindset. This is a half marathon. How did you go around that there? Because, um, you know, I speak to lots of people that go, I want to do this year, but then it gets too hard and they just stop. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Because, I mean, you've been pretty, I, I don't know if you still do that anymore, but you have done those and those. Uh, marathon nah, is, a, is a pretty yeah, big Yeah, I've done, yeah, three, three marathons, 11 half marathons in terms of actual um organized races um don't know for for some reason again probably because i was moved to this side of the world and um new zealand known to be an outdoorsy active country um and and also probably what drew to me was running over the the auckland harbour bridge yeah and so in 2000 and 11 or 12 i think uh, i did the i was too late to sign up for the half to run over the bridge so i just did the quarter and, and yep. thought right let, let's get going and then right next year i'll do the half i get to you know run over this bridge and then all of a sudden you know yeah friends start running you, you build a bit of a running community and um you know let's go for the fall um all of a sudden and uh I actually enjoy, like, shouldn't be a surprise, I enjoy talking and we managed to find a pace where I could run and talk. Oh, so that's my level, you know. <laughs> yep. uh, I don't really like running with people that have headphones in because then What's I the who I talk to. Yeah. Um, and again, was pretty fortunate, had a, had a couple of people that were willing to run at that pace and just have a chat. So half an hour, an hour or a few hours. Yeah, there might be some quiet periods, but on the whole, yeah, can have a chat. And after I did my first marathon in Auckland, run over that bridge. Okay, well, what other bridge could I potentially run over? And then just across the ditch is Sydney. And uh, and then me and a friend thought, okay, well, right, let's book this up. We'll go over, we'll, we'll, we'll run it together. And that, at that time, that was their first marathon. So I knew that they would be uh, probably a little bit slower and, and, and run with me. And actually, really, it, in 2015, it helped me get the job at NYB. Yeah. Um, I had it on my CV. I was training for the marathon. Interviewers saw that. We started talking about it. And a lot of those skills I was able to transfer to the business world. You know, you've got yeah. to target... You've got to have your, you know, this week I've got to do this number of Ks as opposed to in a sales role, I've got to do this number of calls. It's a numbers yeah. game. Yeah. You know, resilience, determination, et cetera, all came through. And, and so did Sydney, had a goal of, of beating the time. Thankfully, I got to do. And then I did 2018, no, 2017, I did the marathon again in Auckland. I was getting married in 2018, so it's a bit of a let's get fit for the wedding sort of thing. 
Um, and then the last half I did was uh, the Queenstown mar uh, half marathon in 2022. So I said I came out of retirement for that and then went straight back into retirement. Uh, but again, for whatever reason, I think it is because of the country that I'm in was just a lot more active. I did a little bit of running in the UK, but not any sort of half marathons or any organized races. And even I started playing football in, in Auckland uh, where I never played five or, uh, 11 aside football apart from at university. So I had a big gap where I wasn't playing a lot of five aside, uh, seven aside, but not yeah. proper winter. And then again, we're building my network in New Zealand and coming over on my own, then you've got to Probably. think, how can you build, you know, make friends? And one friend joined the team in Western Springs, another friend joined the team. I went down to watch. They were like, do you want to join? And again, very lucky to join a, a team that had played together for many years, like even from school to oh, wow. some of them played together while they were overseas. Oh, wow. And by the time... I did nine seasons with them. In that time, I think they celebrated 30 years together as a team. And I'm sure Tane can, uh, you know, especially relate to, to this. And so it was social football, but also there was an element of, you know, if you want to be part of the team, be part of the team. If you don't come to training, you can't start the next game. Yeah. Right? Uh, and, and, and so... Uh, again, a lot of teamwork skills, um, that that sort of collaboration skills. I was the social chair, you know, organising. Surprise, 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 uh, surprise uh, hey? uh, <laughs> Well, I think I liked it with with we had fine, so you know um, that that helped build up for the uh, end of season do, and, and and being the fines master w w was good fun. Uh, so again, you know, you miss training; it's a dollar here. You miss that, it's a dollar there. Um, and uh, it, it's funny how quickly it can rack up um, and then become uh, almost a game to see who who who, could, who we could find the most. Uh, and so, yeah, great, great community within the bigger community um, within that team sport. And then obviously the running individual, but preferred to do it with 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 people um and and now i say i tell myself i'm taking a break before the kids sports take off uh and, and then all my efforts and uh will go on to to see if if they can go beyond just the fun amateur stuff to uh the, the dream uh that, that i have for them to take me to the premier league but that's probably another conversation. Uh, I saw, actually, it was um, Dinner who won the uh, the tennis open. Tennis, yeah, yeah, and, and he thanked his parents for not putting pressure on yep, on them. Did. And, and uh, uh, it, it reminded me that uh, well, maybe I might have to change tact as to <laughs> what sort of pressure I put on on my kids. That was just subliminal, right? Subliminal in the background. Yeah. No, nothing, nothing. That's yeah. it. Just, just gently steering them to exactly, to, yeah, to, to to the sport that that I want them to play. Yeah, that's so that's so funny, but it's it's so true. I, 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 what I love about that, Sheldon, is how you you spoke about 
sport as a way of networking and you know humans are networkers in so many different mm. ways and I, I don't know if you've ever seen the last lecture by um, Randy Pausch. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful lecture. It, it was on YouTube a few, oh, probably ten years ago, and he mm. speaks about how you know you take young, you take your children or your young people to play a sport, and he says it's not about the sport. It's got into the sport. It's it's he called it a head fake. It's about interacting with other people, and you know, and it always comes back to me when we think about you know our whole myself and other people that sometimes you've got to do things that you don't want to do not because of the actual thing. But the other skills that you're going to be getting and you know you spoke about how you how you're you know training for a, a marathon crossed over to actually your sales and you know um you just have no idea you just have no idea what those skill sets are mm. going to be and um no matter, no matter what we do in our life movement is important and um you know it's, it's pretty crazy how that comes across and Tana, you know you said at the start that you've been struck you know you've had this injury but yet i still see you running seven k's and all these cra crazy things here um that's just to keep i mean yeah let's talk about that there for a second yeah i think part of it is just the determination to get back to where i want to be and i think you know there's other aspects now for me it's not so much about being fit for the sake of getting into my own sport but it's from a coaching perspective as well I love to be a part of training run with the drills and stuff like that and run around with the girls so you know it's yeah it's definitely changed perspective and just back to your point about the team environment I think that's always underestimated in a team environment and a team sport I think you know and that's something I try to keep in the back of my mind when I'm coaching these girls is it's not it's not necessarily about the sport you know the skills can come you're going to have people who can you know play at a New Zealand level you're gonna have girls who have never played before but the reality is you know if we can create a strong team environment the rest will come you know not necessarily straight away but over time it will come because they'll develop other skills they'll communicate with each other they'll hang out with each other outside of the sporting context and all those little nuances is what really matters you know in a competitive environment when you are trying to win games so yeah I think it's a really cool perspective to have and I still yeah as I say I think it's still very much undermined um from many people you know not just the players but parents and other factors that yeah yeah it's just it's very under considered but something that I think is most valuable in a sporting context yeah it's I think the same when it comes to sorry uh like interviews or networking yes. most young people think well I've got to highlight my academic and any careers that are all roles jobs that I like and if a question is about teamwork or give an example of teamwork, then it's okay to talk about the sport that you have played, you know, whether it's, no one I think on the other end is expecting you to talk about your, you know, you've played for a professional team or New Zealand. Whatever environment you've played within. Um, the, and so I think that's where sometimes it's missed those experiences that they have and just not being able to identify those skills within them and how they can just transfer to what you're actually going for. And so when I was running, I, I wasn't going for a job where I'll be running every day. Like that's not, you know, when I'm training for the marathon, I'm, I'm speaking to the manager. They weren't, you know, I didn't start the next day and they were like, oh, here's a treadmill off you go. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, I think that's just highlighted there, Helen, you mentioned about the teamwork, the coaching. And so if a question comes up about leadership, then, then you're able to talk about those experiences. Um, it doesn't have to be about your time at university. 
or your time at, um, you know, a Saturday job. And I, I think that's where all experiences can be relevant. Yeah. It's just the way you frame it, right? And unfortunately, mm. we live in a world where the framing is around those formal roles. Mm. You know, those formal roles. And, you know, when I, when I go into schools and I speak to young people, I'm like, hey, I don't, it doesn't matter if you're not a prefect or blah, 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 blah. You, you volunteer, you know, you, you help your grandmother mm. and you, you help your grandmother every weekend. You know, this is really important. This is really important stuff. So don't think about, don't sell yourself short. And, you know, um, unfortunately, we, live, we, ha- we, uh, we have been programmed in the world where we have to find those labels and those titles, which, yeah, of course. you know, we, we, we all do that there. I mean, I do that as well. When I look at my CV, I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't put that in. But, you know, it's, it's, it's just the programming thing. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll look at that again, Shannon, when I do my CV. Um, Shannon, we've been talking for about an hour, you know, um, yeah. which is which is just flown by really, really fast. Um, Tony, any questions before I ask Shannon our last few questions? I think I've yeah, I've learned a lot, and it's been cool just to see yeah where this conversation has gone. Yeah, Shannon, um, our our podcast is called Bosses of Knowledge, and um, you have shared so much wisdom in the last hour. But um, we invite each one of our guests to put some piece of knowledge into our basket, both for myself and for Tane, for our listeners. Um, so is there any piece of knowledge you'd like to put into our basket? Um, you, you can go, you can have two, you can have two pieces of knowledge because um, I'm sure you have tons. Well, you can have one, it's up to you. Yeah. Um, I think, again, one that I always do share is if you don't shout about yourself, no one else. Yeah. Right, so you've got to be the champion um, and, and maybe because I'm not born in New Zealand and where I've come from, from the UK and in sort of my personality, it'll be easier um, to, to do so. But you know, I, I do believe that you've got to be your advocate uh, and, and, and really push not push, but you know, showcase what what you have to offer. And, and I've I've never met, and obviously a lot of the conversation we've had about young people, um, I've never met a student that has nothing to offer. They just don't exist. Yeah. But I have met a lot of students that, for whatever reason, are are very good at uh, under underselling themselves. I'll give you. I'll give, um, I'll, give, I'll, yeah. I'll give. I'll give you a great example. Yesterday, I had, I had a conversation mm. with a young man, and um, I was like, "Hey, what did you do over summer?" He's like, "Oh, yeah, nothing." I was like, "Oh, I just played a bit of cricket. Just that's all I did." Then his dad goes, "No, you didn't just play for. You just played for. You played for New Zealand." And he's like, mm. "Oh, yeah." I was like, "Whoa, this is such a big thing, you know." So I really love that. That you know, if you don't shout for yourself, no one's going to shout for you. Mm. And uh, I think the second thing it sort of relates to this in terms of. Your brand, your per- your personal brand, um, you know, it's not a popularity contest. It's about sort of personal, professional development, your, your reputation. And so working on your brand, uh, and if we think about the online space, things like LinkedIn, it's not like the number of followers, for example. But, it, you know, it's being able to um, understand who you are, experiences that you've had the skills that you're you're developing um so again putting a skill on your linkedin on your cv you don't have to be an expert at it you don't have to have completed it it could be one that you're developing so when recruiters are looking for you you come up 
but you've got to put it there if that's what you're developing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in terms of building your brand, um, you know, thinking about that development piece, as opposed to, you know, I need X amount of people in my network or X amount of followers or likes or comments or whatever it will reach. Uh, you know, you go to an event, it has to be hundred people there. You know, as long as there's that one person, then it will lead to a potentially a sale or a, an, an opportunity or a job. So they would be my two sort of nuggets, which I think do link in with, with the conversation that we we've had. Um, yeah, no, they, they totally yeah. do because you know if you don't show for yourself, you can't build your brand. But uh, but I like how you said you know um, when you're building your brand, put down the skills that you're developing as well because mm -hmm. we we have we always wait or oh, haven't done that or haven't got this qualification or haven't done that. But doesn't mean that you're working through it. So um yeah, really, really too fantastic. But, uh, you know, I mentioned about the the public speaking. Yes. If I if I was I could not then add it to my CV if, if that was the thing. Because like I've never done a qualification on it. Like, yeah. you know, I, I may think I'm a, a seven or an eight where someone else may think, actually, I heard him speak and he was a five. Someone else may have heard me speak another time and I think I was a 10. So then like, um, yeah, it as I said, you can't complete it. It's always something that will get, um, you keep developing. And that's why I add it to my my CV or my LinkedIn. Beautiful, that, that is really beautiful. And and you know, I guess your whole story is is about all that. There, you know, you you went to the yellow pages be person to say, hey, Sal, this is who I am. Um, you, you, your LinkedIn profile, as I've said, this is how I found you. And you know, you put some really cool stuff out there. And it's not about it's not about the number. It's about that one person that you connect with. And you know, that's that's just mm. real life. Oh, so that's how we connected, obviously, as well. That's and, right. Yeah, uh, and a few messages and. And here we are. So yeah, yeah, exactly. you don't know where it's going to lead to. That's right. Exactly. No, beautiful. Shalyn, um, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for um, this, this, this conversation. As I said at the start, we have no idea where it goes. It just goes and it's mm -hmm. gone to some really, really cool parts. Um, thank you for sharing your life story. Um, there's so much in there about where you've come from, what you're doing, the, the, the passion that you have, the passion that you're growing. It's really, really beautiful. Um, yeah. And I guess we've both learned a lot. So thank you so much for your time and mm -hmm. your space today. Tell us is out there. Hopefully you, you have enjoyed this. Um, if you haven't enjoyed it, go back and listen because I'm pretty sure you've missed out. And uh, if you want to connect with Shailen, um, I, I, I recommend him. I mean, I keep saying this because I, I find value in your posts and I don't just say things when I don't mean it. So jump onto LinkedIn, find him there. He's really beautiful and have a listen to this podcast. And as always, we appreciate you. We think you're fantastic. Please like, share, comment on this post here and um, share with your, with your whanau, your friends. Um, but the most important thing for us um, is to make sure that over the next few weeks, make sure you find something to put into your parcel of knowledge. Till next time, kakite. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you for listening to Baskets of Knowledge. Yeah, we hope that you found something useful to put into your basket of knowledge. And as we said before, remember to put something little into your baskets of knowledge every week. And as always, feel free to like, comment, and share this podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye.